Hey, it's Anna Sale, and I want to thank you for listening to Death, Sex, and Money, where I explore the big questions and hard choices that are often left out of polite conversation. You can hear new episodes ad-free every week on Amazon Music, where you can find Death, Sex, and Money and all of your Slate favorites without the ads. I want to thank you for listening and for all your support as we at Death, Sex, and Money have made our move to Slate. Your stories, voice memos, and emails have meant so much to the team. As part of this transition, there's a new way to support our show financially at Slate, our new home. And you'll get something special in return. Subscribe to Slate Plus, and you'll not only support our work on death, sex, and money, you'll get access to new benefits, including listening to us and all of the other great shows Slate makes, like Slow Burn and Dakota Ring, without any ads or sponsor breaks. To subscribe, just click Try Free at the top of the Death, Sex, and Money show page on Apple Podcasts or visit slate.com slash DSM plus to get access wherever you listen. Thanks. I'm comfortable airing my laundry, you know. I don't think, any, I don't think one thing's dirty or, or, or clean. It's just what I wear. This is Death, Sex, and Money. Plus, didn't want to have sex with me. Gasp! The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. Sounds like this family either has no money or way too much. And need to talk about more. My mother's dead. She's dead. I'm Anna Sale. Titus Burgess is from the South, just like the character that bears his name on the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I came here in 1998 on a damn bus from Chickasaw County, Mississippi. You know who leaves Chickasaw County? Nobody. Have you ever met On the show, Titus's no. character was born Ronald, a gay man who snuck out the back door of his wedding reception to start a life as Titus in New York City. I changed my name to Titus Andromedon, and I marched myself into audition for The Lion King. You were in The Lion King on Broadway? Yes, except I was not. In real life, Titus Burgess has always been Titus, even in the small town of Lexington, Georgia, where he spent a lot of his childhood. He says it wasn't always easy growing up there, but it was home, with its quiet comforts, deep connection to family, and slow pace. In fact, when Titus talked with me about Georgia, he slowed down too. He spoke with considered deliberateness, often peering off to the side instead of at me, as if conjuring up the memories in real time. My granddad, who is still with us, and my grandmother, who is no longer with us, had a a farm, several acres, and the house sat off of the main highway, Highway 78. It was pretty quiet, rural. Like, the whole, you know, one traffic light kind of thing. And I would show up in the mornings, when my uncle I would enter through their bedroom and AM radio would be playing. I just remember thinking it just made things feel even more rural, even, <laughs> even further away from civilization. My grandmother was everything to me. What do you mean? Um, I love my mom. We're very close. But there's something about a grandmother's attention in those long summer days. I felt safe there. I would sleep with her. I would put my head on her stomach 
to make sure she was still breathing. I would have to stare at it to make sure it was going up and down when we were taking naps. Mm. Of course, when I was a kid, she seemed... She was a century old, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Even though she really wasn't. Um, And there was always this, oh God, I'm going to lose her um, feeling that I had. And I can still feel her to my right as I'm seated at the table. And she's kneading the dough, making biscuits, humming a hymn. And we would just sing and harmonize, and I didn't even know that she knew that she could sing. What and would you sing? You know, guide me, oh, thou great Jehovah, uh, the storm is passing over. We sing that? Sure. <clears throat> um, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The storm is passing over. The storm is passing over. The storm is passing over. Hallelujah. It's a little chorus of it. <laughs> Before Titus was in school, he and his mom lived in Lexington with his grandparents. One day, I accidentally called my grandmother mom, and that did not sit well with my mother. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I remember it. It was a, it was a big brouhaha. Titus's mom decided they needed to live on their own. They moved to an apartment in Athens, Georgia, the college town 17 miles and a world away. It was just the two of them until Titus was in the sixth grade when his mom got married. They moved in with his stepdad and two stepbrothers, one older and one younger. It was not an, an easy start. And in fact, uh, I recall being pretty miserable. Didn't get along with my stepbrothers. And you're all living together at, right as you're entering puberty. Yes. It's quite traumatic, actually. And... It was just sort of, there we were, all of these different energies in this house. And I'm a very intuitive person, a very, I'm a Pisces, very sensitive, and I feel everything to the nth degree, so much so that it exhausts me. And I, and I can walk through a room and kind of tell you what's going on with your day. And it, uh, it's something that I have to turn off on purpose. Like, I, I have to make a conscious effort to ignore. I think it's hard, because, like... Especially if I've t- tapped into it, then I want to assist. Feeling people's energy Feeling and taking it on. Feeling people's energy and taking it on and not knowing why I was so damn anxious and, you know, filled with anxiety or depressed. You just feel heavy. I just feel heavy. And I was heavy, literally, physically, which also added to it. And then there, you know, I was gay or am gay, but, you know, and... Did you know you were gay at that point? I knew at like four or five, very, very early on in you. Um, yeah, and so, you know, bless little Titus's heart. Um, mm. I think about him often. Little Titus knew, but he didn't tell his mom he was gay until he was an adult in his freshman year at the University of Georgia. It, it happened 
during an, a very emotionally raw moment. One of my closest friends passed away in a car accident. I'm all torn up about that. And I'm crying or whatever. And then she drops it on me that my grandmother has Alzheimer's. And... In the same conversation. Mm-hmm. And that, that it's bad. So I'm just spent. And she goes, is there anything else you want to tell me? And I knew exactly what she was talking about. And I thought, you know what? It's either now or who knows when. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm losing everything. So t- telling this piece of information, and you know, I might as well. You know, I, I, feel, I feel no danger. So I told her that I was gay, and she handled it very well. And then the years to come after that is when she would have trouble processing and integrating. When you say she handled it well, did she hug you? Did she say okay? She said, let's go and make dinner. We were going to fry some chicken that night, and we did. Titus asked his mom not to tell his stepfather, but she didn't listen. She told everybody. She told my entire family. And... uh <laughs> Telling everyone meant nothing to me. It meant she suddenly had to deal with it in front of everyone. Hmm. Um, and I don't even think she even processed that, but it was for her. She needed to do that. Coming up, how Titus's relationship with his mom works now. Hi, folks. This is Chester Jesus Soria. I'm with the Death, Sex, and Money team. You might remember a few weeks ago, Anna shared a voice memo from a man who was struggling with an addiction to porn. His experience made us wonder about your relationship to porn. Did it help you understand sexuality, or did it confuse you? Do you enjoy watching it with your partner, or do you keep it a secret? Has porn helped or hurt a relationship that you're in? You've already started sending us some of your stories, and we're learning that your relationships to porn can be just as complicated as any other relationship. I discovered my dad's Playboy magazines. I was studying it like homework, like, oh, that's that's the thing that happens. Pornography taught me how to touch myself. One day, I realized I had over 100 magazines. It was kind of crazy. Seeing on my big screen TV some pretty whacked out shit. Uh, I must have forgot to clear the search history or something like that. It soon became so it wasn't enough. And then he loses an interest in me. It was just an outlet for a complete lack of sex. Why be quiet about it? If you have a story that you want to share, you can use your smartphone to email us a voice memo or just write to us at deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. And we'll make sure to contact you if we end up using anything that you send us. On the next episode... There's nothing that's not hard. A conversation with two parents about losing their child and deciding to have a second one. I find myself continuing to think like, okay, we'll just get through this period and then we'll have Carl again. And I realized, like, no, no, we're not going to have Carl again. This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. 
Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. I'm making a music video. It's called Pinot Noir, an ode to black penis. Action! Pinot! Among other things, Titus Burgess is now famous for this viral video from Kimmy Schmidt. Pinot Noir, smoke a cigar. Revenge can be spectacular. Pinot Noir, Pinot Noir, Pinot Noir, Pinot Noir. And he has a spin-off Pinot Noir. You can buy your own Titus Burgess wine. What does your mom think about Pinot Noir, your anthem to the I black penis? I don't even penis? think she thinks about it. Like, I think she hears it, and, and that's something that she doesn't want to... We've never discussed it. I know she knows what it stands for, because she, she, I've sent her a couple bottles, but like... You sent her a couple bottles of your, of your Pinot. Your spinoff Pinot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't even think that it is something that... Uh, it's kind of like I know it exists, but, you know, not going to give any more thought to it. When Titus was recognized last year by the gay rights group Human Rights Campaign, he talked about his mother, saying, I have never loved someone so fearsomely who I want to shake vigorously. Does she feel uncomfortable with you being an activist? She won't admit it, but yes, she feels uncomfortable with it. Of course she does. It it means that there's a chance that she might have to come out and be be vocal about a, a position. Even as recent as a month ago, she and I were talking about this ridiculousness of sexuality and how political I am and outspoken against uh, homophobia, against, you know, racial inequality, income inequality, all this stuff, because it shines a spotlight on her back home. And having me as a son has caused all sorts of augmentation in her and in her isms, her being. An augmentation. You mean you've complicated the way she sees life? Is that what you mean? I have challenged the way she sees life. I don't want to say complicated. Uh And I'm not... Because I live so freely, there's no danger of anyone finding anything out. And so I try and encourage her to live like that, you know. Uh, But that's just not how she grew up. But it sounds like you haven't... You talk about all this stuff. You have an ongoing conversation. Well, I told her this last time. I was on Stephen Colbert. Um, it was right around the time that Georgia was about to vote on the this quote-unquote religious freedom law, but we all know that that is code for <clears throat> hate um, against the LGBT community. And so I tweeted the University of Georgia that they need to come out against this law. They're going to bear the state's name, the name of that university. So I tweeted them. I was like, you guys need to let me come down there and do the commencement speech. And I gave a fake commencement speech on Colbert's show. Dear graduates of 20-whatever-year-it-is when I come down there, (laughs) you just graduated from a shady school (laughs) that has the name of a shady state (laughs) that tried to pass a shady law. 
And my mom called me and wanted to have a serious conversation. I'm too sassy. I'm outspoken, and I need to be more humble. And don't forget the bridges that brought you over. You graduated from UD, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I'm thinking, first of all, how can anyone school me on how to be the me that I become when it was me that was assisting me in becoming what I've become. I'm my own bridge. I am my own bridge. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Did she actually say sassy? She didn't. She said outspoken. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, I said to her, what is your perception of what I've done? And... It's a very old school, old rule way of thinking, but it's, you know, I've somehow, I'm showboating, or I'm, and, and all she could register was the brassiness of my, or, and the pointedness of my approach. What I said was inconsequential. How much do you think she was shaped from growing up black in the South about what she was allowed to be outspoken about and what she needed to be quiet about. Oh, I, I, it, it is it is the lens with which I was reared by. Um, it is it is the point of reference, the framework for raising me. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Be considerate and, and put others first. All these isms that, if not properly broken down, can let you lie down and just let things roll and walk all over you. Um, I'm not really sure how I escaped it, but I never, I've never felt it. Even being in the sticks, I never felt that I was anything other than wholly human with the capacity to form opinions and let the world know about those opinions. So you can imagine it makes continuing to nurture a relationship, not even with your mom, but with anybody who thinks it, it makes it difficult. Would you call yourselves close? Oh, absolutely. Um, I was reading something on Facebook about friends, about ultimately we, we outgrow all of our friends. Ultimately, it, it morphs. And my mom is one of my closest friends, but because of what is growing increasingly important to me, almost becoming a part of my DNA, I've had to assist us both in redefining what our relationship is, taking greater, more strategic steps towards protecting us uh, hmm. for fear that the very different thinking will dismantle what's left. Hmm. But I feel that way about everybody, though. <laughs> <laughs> I really do, though. I, re I really do. Titus's mom still lives down south. He moved to New York in 2003. Not long after, his grandmother died. Here I was in New York City trying to become a big star, and all of my family, uh, they were all able to be in the room with her 
in the final days. Um, I'm not even sure I've ever been able to reconcile that. Um, conversely, though, she's been gone longer than that because she had Alzheimer's. So she left a while ago. Um, that is the only comfort I find in my not being able to be there. But Titus says his grandmother continues to be an important part of his life. She visited me last week. I was dreaming. I was um, asleep. And I can usually tell when she's around. Things get really still. And I I, sent, I, I feel her where I suddenly feel like I'm at the table with her cooking again. And it's a it is a flash of a feeling, but I know that 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 is that is time for dialogue where she has made it to my realm close enough for me to actually get out what I need to get out and say. And I talk and talk and talk and talk and then it's and then it's over. But um Out loud. She, yeah, yeah. Um it's it's as real as if she were, you know, uh, in person um, and after all it was the spirit of her that I connected to in the first place you know um, housed in that body but it is that essence that part of her that that fed um, that part of me so I know I'm being watched I mean I know I'm culturally Christian I totally believe in Jesus all that good stuff but I know I have a another set of uh, wings, you know, if you will, accompanying me. What's family look like for you now, 13 oh, years into living in New York City? I have people who love me very dearly. Two dogs. And their names? Hans and Micah. Um, and I have some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, friends. Um, and a relationship that I'm working on. But I think I've been searching for... The, the feeling that I had when I was a kid. And I don't think I'm ever going to find it. I think it's gone. And that's not so much sad as it is a call for me to maximize what has become my chosen family. Um, I feel most at home when I'm alone. Um, that is not sad. It's just... I feel closest to source and connection when I'm by myself. Not having to take on. Not intruded upon. Yeah. I know how to uh, rejuvenate myself, how to protect myself, and how to to stay full. You know, uh, who knows where I'll be or who I will be with in the years to come, but... Uh, 
I think I finally got a handle on how best to live out the rest of my days here on Earth. Titus Burgess. He plays Titus on The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. He also played Defawn on 30 Rock and starred on Broadway in shows including Guys and Dolls, The Little Mermaid, and Jersey Boys. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios. The team includes Katie Bishop, Chester Jesus Soria, Emily Botine, and Casey Means. Our interns are Carson Frame and Brandy Gonzalez. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. And thanks to cellist and composer Eric Friedlander for the use of his music in this episode. When Titus was in his mid-20s, he wrote a song called Comfortable, which was really a plea to find ease in his own skin. There's a video of him singing it at church on our website at deathsexmoney.org. At 36 years old, Titus says he now feels that comfort and has a new life mantra to go with it. We've got one life to live, and this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And anything that is causing you dis-ease is on you. You're not going to... uh, Invite me to dinner and make me eat your problems. I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. 